Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Tired of the grocery store? Looking to spice up dinners? HelloFresh delivers delicious ingredients and easy recipes straight to your door. Take $40 off your first box at positiveimpactpodcast.com fresh. Jenny Amaranini is the co-founder and CEO of Solo Eyewear, an eco-friendly line of hybrid sunglasses where each pair funds eye care to people in need. To date, Solo Eyewear has funded eye care for nearly 11,000 people across 32 countries. Jenny has also been making quite a splash in the business world, recently being named one of San Diego's top 25 in their 20s, top 50 people to watch for 2013, and because that wasn't enough, she was also the recipient of the Women Who Mean Business Award. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alex. Excited to be here. I'm absolutely blown away with what you and Solo Eyewear have been able to accomplish in such a short period of time. Congratulations to four years of amazing success. Thank you. You know, there's some days where I feel like four years has just flown by and other days where it feels like it's been a long journey, but it's been an amazing experience so far and we're excited about the future. As a leader, what has been some of your most meaningful success or accomplishments to date? Well, the whole reason why solo eyewear exists is because we saw a need for eye care in the world. And after learning about that need and creating an idea to address it, um, you know, we hit the ground running and seeing that we've actually impacted lives by restoring vision internationally is probably our most proud achievement. Um, it's, It's why we do what we do. But in addition to that, We've been able to share our story with so many people, so many students in classrooms, universities on the West Coast and East Coast, and telling them that, hey, solo eyewear started off as a class project, and now it's a business impacting thousands of lives across the world. It's awesome to be inspiring so many students and showing them that they too can start businesses that make a difference in the world. I'd love to jump into that because your business did start out of a college course. I believe it was actually International Entrepreneur Course, and you were reading Paul Pollock's book, Out of Poverty. Mm-hmm. So how do you go from reading a book about poverty to launching a social enterprise? It's definitely a process. Um, the book definitely opened my eyes to the need for eye care in the world, and I have to say that was the main starting point. And it piqued my curiosity. I personally have very poor vision. And it wasn't until reading the book and realizing that there was this great need that I realized how blessed I am to have access to eye care. So I started doing research and getting educated about the need. And after doing so, I came across some pretty compelling statistics, you know, that there are over a billion people who do not have access to eye care and 80% of the world's blindness is preventable. So that was a huge call to action and definitely the catalyst in launching the business. 
So one of the great things about this is that you took an actual business model to really drive home needs and uh, create an impact across the world. So one of the things that I personally would be hindered by is not knowing a lot about the science. And with an MBA, I don't see a science degree listed anywhere. How did you navigate learning about these causes or learning about what would be effective or how to best drive your resources? Honestly, regardless of your background in science or any other health-related topic, um, all it takes is a little determination to figure things out. So I started, like most people would, with Google, just searching and learning and reading as much as I could and uh, connecting with organizations who are out in the world accomplishing amazing things and addressing this major need for eye care. So it definitely was a path and each step that I took led me to the next and eventually, you know, I was able to identify specific areas within the realm of eye care that we wanted to address and then find nonprofit partners who were doing the best job in the world at addressing those areas. So I'd love to dig into two of the different points that you brought up there. Is one, the factors that you definitely want to address. Can you kind of touch on those and expand on that? Sure. So when learning about the need for eye care, you know, it's this vast need. Um, And earlier I mentioned the statistic that there are over a billion people who do not have access to eye care. Well, I'm sure you'll notice that in developed countries, about half of the population is in need of corrective lenses. Uh, And majority of people in need of corrective lenses need just reading glasses. So I started doing research and learned that there's this amazing organization based here in California called Restoring Vision. And they focus on the manufacturing and distribution of reading glasses internationally to eye clinics all over the world. Um, So we partner with them and work internationally. On the other hand, I mentioned that 80% of the world's blindness is preventable. Over half of that preventable blindness is caused by cataracts. And cataracts are a very common eye condition. You see them all over the world, Um, I'm sure anyone listening knows someone who's had cataracts um, but if left untreated cataracts do cause blindness so what we see is in underdeveloped countries people developing cataracts not seeking treatment or unable to access it and going blind and basically losing significant quality of life with that so after learning about cataracts and this this problem around them I stumbled upon two organizations in India who are world-class institutions and just incredible at what they do. Uh, Those organizations are LV Prasad Eye Institute and Aravind Eye Care System. We started working with both of them um, to fund cataract surgeries. It's crazy to see the type of impact that they're having. They've performed millions of cataract surgeries for people in need and essentially people are coming in blind in one or both eyes, undergoing a three to five minute eye surgery, having their vision totally restored for as little as $15. That's mind blowing. 
a three to five minute surgery and it's only fifteen dollars mm-hmm. it's it's incredible to see how fifteen dollars can drastically change someone's life now what was the name of that organization again Aravind eye care system amazing so these people that come in and you said some of them might already be blind is there a certain time period that they have to come in to receive the treatment before the effects are permanent no actually they even after going blind um the cataract can be treated so what happens is with a cataract is the lens in your eye starts to cloud and over time you lose your vision the lens hardens I was in the operating room watching them perform these cataract surgeries and they removed a cataract that was like literally the lens in the person's eye was like a rock. That's how far developed it was. They were able to remove it and insert a new synthetic intraocular lens and restore that person's vision. So it's pretty amazing. Life changing right there. I'm... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's just insane. It is. It's, it's, I mean, it, it gives me goosebumps to think that, you know, we spend $15 when we go out and buy a drink. You or, can, sp- you yeah. can spend $15 in parking downtown. Right. I mean, it's, it, and to think that $15 can restore someone's vision, allow them to lead a fuller, more productive life, give them the ability to provide for their families. I mean, that's what keeps us going. So we're excited that people are doing such amazing things in the world and we get to partner with them. So you guys have partnered with these organizations and been treating people in 32 different countries. Mm -hmm. How do you decide where your impact is and kind of who receives the treatment? Right. So with the eyeglasses, we work internationally and it's through Restoring Vision that we've reached 31 countries. And we frequently get this question. The truth is the organizations that we work with are experts in the field. Um, They have the best sense of what areas are in the most dire need and are able to allocate our resources to address those areas. So we depend heavily on on them to make that call. Um, And after seeing you know, their track record and the impact that they're having, um, they're doing a great job. What are some surprising discoveries about different issues in either poverty or blindness that you've discovered as launching your business? I would have to say the most startling discovery for me was seeing how blind people can be treated in underdeveloped countries. When I was in India, we spent a few days with one of our partners and we were touring different villages in very remote rural areas. And we came across this man who had lost his vision and it was irreversible. He was blind. And because he had lost his vision, he had become a burden for his family. And he had a wife and children and he could no longer provide for them. Suddenly the roles were reversed in the family and the wife was left with no other option but to leave and find work elsewhere to support the children. So essentially he was abandoned 
and he was left behind um, trying to navigate this new life with no vision. Thankfully, our partner, LV Prasad, has a program uh, where they assign vision guardians. They go into these remote areas, they find leaders in the communities, and they train them how to be caregivers for those who lose their vision. And so this is, that model or that approach is one that, you know, these these people who have lost their vision are so vulnerable. But knowing that they're being cared by someone in their village um, establishes a certain level of trust. So on one hand, it was I was very shocked to see, you know, someone abandoned after, you know, undergoing vision loss. Um, and on the other side, it was amazing to see the systems that LV Prasad has put in place to address this. Amazing. So what about from the other side, either from consumers or from those in developed countries? Are there any misconceptions that we might have about whether it's poverty or blindness or kind of creating an impact in these other countries? I think one of the main misconceptions that I encounter is that poverty is a result of laziness or not working hard enough. Um, The truth is, is that talent is universally distributed. Opportunities are not. So we, we go into these areas and we see extremely bright people, talented people. But, but because there's no education in place or stable economy, there's simply no opportunities for these people to thrive. So I think that's a common misconception. And I think it applies to the U.S. in some ways, too. Um, not quite as much, obviously, as other areas. But, yeah, by us restoring vision and um, strengthening one's ability to live fully and productively, we kind of level that playing field a bit um, to where they're better able to seize an opportunity or to provide for their families. Um, from th- from our current efforts of restoring vision for a little over 11,000 people, we, after doing some research, determined that that's a, a little over a $3 million economic impact. By restoring someone's vision, on average, you're able to increase their annual income by $300. So now when you say $300, what is, because in America, $300 is not a game changer. Right. What is a typical annual income and how do you, like, because $300 is. How do we make it relative? Yeah. Um, So the reality is, is that. You know, there are over a billion people living on less than a dollar or two dollars a day. Mm-hmm. So by increasing one's annual income of $300, that's a drastic impact for someone who was only making that much to begin with. It could double their annual income in some situations. So yeah, is nothing for us. Um, that's not even rent for a month. <laughs> But that could support a family for a year in other parts of the world. 
So tell me about your sunglasses. How are they made? Where did you kind of come up with the designs? Sure. Well, going into the sunglass business was quite interesting considering I had no manufacturing experience, no design, no fashion background, nothing. Um, Literally just figuring it all out as we go. But our sunglasses, I'm really proud of. It's been quite the journey to get to craft our current collection of sunglasses. All of our glasses are handcrafted. They feature acetate frames um, and repurposed bamboo temples as well as polarized lenses. All of our glasses um, have the bamboo temples with different stains on them and we really pride ourselves in finding sustainable ways to build our product. We actually work with a flooring company and we use their scrap pieces of bamboo and then reconstruct them into the temples of our glasses. So that's just one way for us to be more environmentally conscious with the construction of our product. Um, But our glasses are super comfortable, lightweight, and Dana and I are typically the two making all the design calls when it comes to our collection. So it's funny how we went from not knowing anything about eyewear design and now we're, you know, together creating all of these cool designs and, and bringing them to light up. So what made the choice for bamboo? Well, bamboo is one of the most sustainable materials on the planet. It is the fastest growing plant. It can grow up to three feet in a day. So after learning about these characteristics, we were like, let's work with bamboo. So yeah, with the bamboo, um, it's so funny. I saw a tweet this morning and it was like, did you know that bamboo is one of the fastest growing plants in the world? That it can grow up to four feet a day and mm-hmm. over 80 feet tall. Basically super sustainable. Absolutely. So serendipitous too. Yeah. <laughs> You'll start seeing that everywhere. <laughs> we'll probably start seeing a lot more bamboo products as well. You, We already do. You know, there's, there's so many products, even materials being fabrics being made from bamboo. Um, so the applications of it are endless. Exciting. So you said the sunglasses are handmade. Where in the world are they made? We actually work in China. So we work with a factory there. And and that honestly was another major learning lesson in our journey. Um, When I started looking for manufacturers, I literally went on Google, searched eyewear manufacturers, found a random factory in China and started working with them only to find out that the quality of the product was terrible, you know, after selling it here in the U.S. And so after receiving really shoddy product, that was a wake-up call. And I thought, let's go back to the drawing board and figure this out. Once again, ran out in the community, meeting with people who knew a lot about manufacturing, connecting with people, and finally we connected with someone who was able to help us form a partnership with a an amazing factory um, and we we took that partnership very seriously and we actually um, conducted full audits and you know social compliance guidelines and made sure everything was in place that we needed um, because we wanted you know our brands about being socially and environmentally conscious and we wanted to make sure that we're working with a manufacturer who's like-minded so it took some time it took about two and a half years that's insane. Yeah. 
it's, you know, now having experienced this, I could probably start another company and drastically shorten that period. But coming into it with no experience, it took quite a bit of time to figure it out and find the right partner. You got to love a learning curve. (laughs) Amen. So what was the very first product that you had? Or the very first like model of sunglasses? I know that you have different lines. Is that what they're called? Yeah, we have different styles now and um, colorways. And um, our first product, though, I still have a couple pairs at my house. And I look at them and I just shake my head. (laughs) They were super basic Wayfair style glasses in pastel colors. So I had told the manufacturer we wanted certain colors and they came back to me and said, well, what about these colors? This is what we can make. Being naive, I said, okay, let's just make those colors instead of pushing forward with what I wanted. So we had a collection and we had a black frame, a white frame, a pink frame, and this mint green frame. And they Hmm. all had light bamboo temples on them. And... I look at the product now and I shake my head, but when that product arrived on my front doorstep, I was on cloud nine. You know, it was just such, it was so symbolic. My idea was coming to life. I had physical product in my hand and literally just hit the ground selling it, Um, selling it to kids on campus, out of my backpack. I literally was meeting people late at night on street corners and selling it out of the back (laughs) of my car. Um, You know, it was fun, exciting time. But then after a few weeks, we noticed the product was not very good quality. It was breaking and having issues. And so that's why we had to take a step back and figure out a new approach. But if you had never taken that first product off of your doorstep and took it out to market, you would have never known that. You would have never understood you were able to go with your minimum viable product and take it out and then learn totally and create better products because of it i mean you look at the quality of the sunglasses now absolutely absolutely and i'll I'll say this much you will never forget the feeling when you're trying to sell a product to your boss and it breaks in your hands (laughs) no it didn't so I never want to feel that again. So we definitely work hard to make sure that that does not happen. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So, yeah, there have been some awkward moments, you know, but, hey, we can laugh about them now. So I saw you speak at a TEDx San Diego's Women Momentum event, and there you described a really defining moment right after graduation where you were kind of at a crossroads and a couple of factors really fueled your drive to go and put everything into solo eyewear. Can you recount that story for us? Sure. Um, Before finishing my MBA, I'm sure everyone who's, you know, graduated from college knows that looming question of what are you doing next? And of course I was getting that question left and right and felt a lot of pressure to go out and get a full-time job somewhere. So I was working on solo. I was finishing up my MBA and searching for jobs. And I remember I got an, an interview for a development position that 
I thought would be perfect for me. And the reason why I thought it would be perfect is because it would be very structured and before and after work, I could still work on solo. So I, the day before the interview, I was up till about 3 a.m. working on a solo presentation. I had my interview for this job at 9 a.m. and then I had to give a presentation on solo at noon. So I stayed up till three working on the solo presentation and thought, oh, I'll just go in and do great in my interview and then go to the presentation and do great there. Well, I walked into the interview and I can't tell you, like, my energy wasn't there. I was exhausted. I think they could see it on my face. And clearly I did not interview very well. But I was still hopeful, right? Like, okay, there's still a way to get this job. I went on to the solo presentation, did great at that, and walked away feeling like it was a great day. Well, the next day I got a phone call saying, I'm sorry, you're not moving on in the interview process. And I was devastated. I remember sitting in my car and I started to cry because I did not get this job. And I didn't know what I was going to do. So a few days passed and I started getting a little more clarity about what had just happened. And it was clear that my heart just wasn't into pursuing these other things. It was clearly in building solo. So from there, I decided, you know what? I had one, I had another consulting job going on at that time. I said, maybe if I can pick up a few more clients, balance that, and still work on solo, this could be the way to approach it. And so that's what I did. So that actually brings me to kind of a great issue is starting a business. Businesses don't just appear out of thin air. They take some capital. Kind of how did you navigate that? What did you use to launch solo? How did you pay for your first products? Uh, So you're absolutely right. Businesses do not appear out of thin air. They take a lot of hard work and money, which I had none of. Like all MBA students, (laughs) you have typically a lot of negative columns. Yeah. So the funny thing is, is when I found the product and was ready to order it, I think I had four or $500 in my savings account at that time. And I only needed like $1,100 more to get the small test order of sunglasses. So I knew at the time that my little brother was working full time and had a savings account. And so I called him up and I said, Johnny, I'm working on this new business. This is my idea. I just need $1,100 to order a product. So, you know, he of course loved that moment that his big sister was asking him for something and he was suddenly in control. Um, but he ended up saying, no problem, I got you. So he loaned me the $1,100 to get the test order here. And we worked out a deal that I wouldn't have to repay him. I would just keep him fitted in solos for the rest of his life, which is fine. (laughs) And that 
that first loan helped me get some momentum. And then after getting terrible product, finding a better manufacturer and going to production, I obviously needed a lot more money. So we launched a Kickstarter. Awesome. Yeah. Kickstarter is such an amazing tool to take a product to market. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Can you tell us about launching that Kickstarter and maybe things that you figured out during that process, whether it was marketing, telling your story? So we launched Kickstarter in 2012, which was kind of early for the platform. And we honestly didn't know what we were doing, just like anything else. We reached out to a lot of people who had launched Kickstarter campaigns and talked to them and tried to learn from their best practices. And we created a whole marketing strategy for 30 days that our project was live on Kickstarter. You know, we had press lined up, we were leveraging our social media outlets, we were emailing, we were host, we hosted two events, we really gave it all we had just to make some noise and, and raise some money. And so we ended up being successful. Our goal was 10,000. We were able to raise 30,000 in a month, which really helped us with financing production and moving forward. Dang, moving from $500 in your bank account to having $30,000 of capital to really drive your business forward. That's Mm -hmm. huge. Yeah, it was a nice jump for us and a step that helped us become more legitimate, you know, having quality product and getting out in the marketplace. And you also have audience, you have customers, you have people who are now invested into your mission. Absolutely. I was blown away that we had so much support on Kickstarter. We ended up having sales in, I think, 22 different countries through Kickstarter. So it was amazing. Um, From an international perspective, we were able to get a good bit of exposure. That's great. So how many backers was that? Ooh, not sure. Maybe 600? I can't recall, though. It's been a little while since I looked at our Kickstarter project. Okay, so that was, you approached your brother about launching this product in 2011, and then in 2012, you did Kickstarter. Can you kind of describe some of the highs and lows of this first year? Because that's really, especially as a startup, it's a roller coaster. Total. So what were some moments that you remember look back and it was like, oh, that was like rock bottom? Or what are some other moments that it was like, yes, we are going to succeed. This is going to happen. Oh, man. There's so many. (laughs) Roller coaster. (laughs) It is a total roller coaster. I mean, I could sit here and rattle off every rock bottom feeling we've had. There hasn't been just one. For reals. Um, It's funny because one of my dearest mentors, he always kids me. He's like, Jenny, I like you because you never give up. I feel like anyone else in your shoes would have given up 10 times over, you know, but you've stuck with it. And that means a lot to me because it has not been easy. I mean, I could sit here and tell you we've had we've had money issues, product issues. We've had major opportunities just fall apart. Um, we've had partnership issues, you know, just lack of experience in itself. You make so many mistakes. But you learn so much from them. And it's, 
I feel like I've gotten my MBA times 10 in this experience. You know, there's just some things you can't learn in a classroom. But having experience starting a company with literally no experience um, has been the ultimate learning experience. So, uh, yeah, tons of, of peaks and valleys. I have to say the peaks have been unreal have been amazing I mean we've had things happen that I could never have dreamt of you know from just the press alone you know we've been on the Today Show we've been on Good Morning America we've had a feature on Forbes and we've been in national magazines Um, I had this amazing feature in Time Magazine where literally my name landed in between Bill Clinton and Bill Gates names. No way. Yeah. I was like, what? This is crazy. (laughs) My brother called me up. He said, are you sure there's no other Jenny Martin? And he's, I said, I already Googled. I don't think so. So (laughs) (laughs) I already Googled. I had to make sure that was me. I wasn't sure that was me. (laughs) Oh man. It's so funny. It's so neat though. You know, that's the kind of stuff that happens when you take a leap and just see, see what comes out of it. And battle through those peaks and valleys. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. So as you're riding the roller coaster, what are the moments that made it all worth it? There really are so many. There's so many moments. There are moments from seeing someone have their vision restored and the smile on their face to working really hard with my business partner, Dana, and bringing an opportunity to fruition and just being able to sit there and share that success. Um, from having students call me and or email me and say, thank you for sharing your story. It really inspired me and I want to go start a business and help people. There's so many little things too along the way that just, feel amazing and really really give me the energy to keep going to face each challenge and 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 upset and work past it um you know there really is there's always a light at the end of the tunnel so fortunately we keep seeing the light and uh, we're still here working hard and let's point out that you're making a great impact yeah it's 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 pretty awesome. <laughs> 11,000 people having their vision restored or being able to see in general, that's huge. It is huge. And I have to give a lot of credit to the people who support our brand for trusting us, for seeing our products, learning about our mission, and taking action to do something about that. Without having those people, none of this would be possible. I mean, I, I still get giddy when I'm out in public and I see people wearing solos that I don't know um I'm just beside myself so I feel like I'm seeing a celebrity I get so excited it means so much to me that that people you know go to our website or walk into a retailer and see our product and are compelled to make a purchase and make a difference Today's Rapid Fire is brought to you by Backcountry.com. Headed out on an adventure? Make sure you have the best gear ready to go. 
Check out positiveimpactpodcast.com slash backcountry for all of our favorite gear recommendations and the lowdown on their responsible brands. So life's a balance of work, passion, and adventure. What was a recent adventure or excursion you've gone on? Um, an awesome adventure with my best friend several months ago. We found a plane ticket for $400 that would take us from New York to Italy, Prague, and Thailand. What? Yeah. $400? $400. To all those countries? All those countries, yeah. And there was a 24-hour layover in Paris mixed in. Rough. Yeah, so we were like, done. We'll figure out the trip. Let's just get the ticket. And we pieced together a trip around that. Um, and it was just awesome. You know, we were... We just put everything on our backs, you know, literally. We packed our bags, and we had some of the trip planned, some of the trip wasn't planned, so there were nights where we were hopping off train stations at midnight, and we're trying to figure out where to go, and, you know, it was just so fun, such a great adventure, and explored so many new places, and just had a great time, made some amazing memories. Way to seize that opportunity and just go with it. Oh, it felt great. It felt great to, to buy that ticket and then see it, my itinerary pop up in the email. It's like, yeah. Life's happening. <laughs> yeah. Taking the bull by the horns. Mm-hmm. So what's your dream trip or what's your next uh, trip that you really want to take? Gosh, so many. I love to travel and explore new places. But to be honest, I feel that dream trips I've had some I never realized they were a dream trip until afterwards you know until having these experiences that I was not anticipating and getting totally out of my comfort zone um, it's in retrospect that I realized wow what an amazing experience so I you know I want to travel all corners of the world um, but for instance one experience that I had I had always wanted to go see Africa some country in Africa it didn't matter where I went I just always wanted to go and I had an opportunity to go when I was in grad school and I couldn't find anybody to go with me so I went by myself I went to South Africa so I stayed there for a few weeks volunteering and went on my own little adventures I went cage diving with great whites and that was such an unreal experience. Did you just say you went cage diving with great whites? Yeah. But, and I went to South Africa not even knowing I was going to do that. You know, I just saw the opportunity and went for it. Man, you're doing that in all aspects of your life. Yeah. You know, life's short. We got to live it up. We got to do things that make us feel alive. That definitely <laughs> made me feel alive. I'm sure coming out of it, you're like, I'm Ooh. still alive. Yeah. It was awesome. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Many social entrepreneurs <clears throat> find solace and tranquility in the outdoors. How have you found this beneficial in your life? Oh, I can't agree with that more. Being in nature has a way of centering you and calming your mind and allowing all the other worries to just kind of melt away. So I, I love being outdoors. I love being near the beach. Typically four or five times a week I just go run on the beach right where the waves 
wash ashore. And that is just my time. I love it. Um, and I typically listen to a podcast as I run. And it's just my favorite thing to do. So it helps me get back to the present and stay focused on what's happening right now and to be grateful for all the little things around us that are going right. It's easy to get focused on what's going wrong, but really the majority of things are going right. So it's a good reminder. And I love nature for reminding me of that. What book have you found instrumental in bringing your mission with Solo to life? So in the beginning, I was reading every business book I could get my hands on pretty much. And I'm somewhat of a slow reader, so that doesn't say a lot. But the books that stand out to me are um, Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea. He's the founder of Zappos. So it's his story and building Zappos and the culture behind it. It's really inspiring. It was a quick read. I think I read it in a day or two. Um, the E-Myth by Michael Gerber was another one. Um, just talking about starting and running a business. Uh, Let My People Go Surfing by Yvonne Chouinard. He's amazing. Founder of Patagonia, rock climber, huge environmentalist. And he talks all about building quality products and taking care of the environment and staying true to your passion. So those were all really impactful books for me to read, ones that definitely lit my fire and uh, made me excited and more hungry to pursue my dream. What advice do you have for recent grads looking for making a meaningful career? If you are passionate about having a meaningful career, and meaning can have a totally different definition for someone else than myself, um, figure out what that is. What does that mean to you? Make your own definition, I think, Far too often we're pressured to think that there's one standard to adhere to, but figure out your own path and every day just take one small step towards it. It doesn't have to be this huge idea that's intimidating. Um, Just set things in motion. And once you get a little momentum, you'll be on a crazy wild roller coaster ride before you know it. So figure out what that means to you and then take small steps towards it and talk with people that really inspire you and can help encourage you get there. What role has mentorship played in your life? Huge. Holy moly. (laughs) Mentorship has been such an important aspect of this journey. You know, I've, I spent a lot of time networking when I was in grad school and crossing paths with people that I really admired and was just amazed at the things that they had accomplished. And I would reach out to them and go to coffee with them and turn to them with questions. And I can't tell you how reassuring it is to have someone, to sit across from someone that you really admire, to see them give their time to help you because they believe in you, and then to give you some tools and resources to help figure out the problems that you're facing. Mentorship is huge, and everyone has the ability to find mentors. Um, They're all around us. 
And sometimes all it takes is an invitation for coffee to start a mentorship. So fortunately, I have probably seven or eight mentors that I turn to, some on a very regular basis, some just once or twice a year, but all of which have incredible value that's impacted me and impacted the direction of our business. One of the things I really admire about you is that you also give back and you mentor others. What has that relationship been like or what kind of fulfillment have you gotten from that experience? I, I know personally that the biggest challenge in me starting solo was just having the confidence. That was it. And I see so many students who are so bright and talented and have these amazing ideas but lack confidence. Mentors. I think with the right mentors, you can easily instill confidence and help build someone's self-esteem and, and help them reach their dreams. So I've been blessed with some amazing mentors and I feel responsible for helping other students realize their potential and to take steps towards, towards reaching it. So if I'm looking to help others, do I have to successfully run a social enterprise or just me in my own capacity? Are there roles that I can do to help others on their journey? Oh my gosh. Without a doubt, yes. Um, there's so many things you can do. I don't, think, I don't think we realize how impactful a compliment can be, how much a smile or a hug can impact someone's day um, or simply just telling someone, you know, I believe in you, you can do this, just words of encouragement. All of those things can really have such a powerful impact on someone. We don't realize, we underestimate it. And sometimes we're shy and we don't share those things even though we think them. So I think just you know, listening to your gut and when you realize talent or see somebody who may need words of encouragement, reach out and be that point of support for them because that can go a very long way. Wonderful. Do you have a mantra or a motto that guides your work with Solo Eyewear? So our mantra at Solo, and it's essentially the meaning of the word Solo to us, is one idea, one person, one action can change the world. We really believe that every little thing that we do has an impact with ripple effects that we'll never know how far those, those ripples reach. But that one kind act or that one action you took um, to start something great, a movement, that its impact is felt around the world. So we try to make people realize like, hey, each of us is, is capable of accomplishing things that we can't even imagine. Just go out there, give it a try, and see where that journey takes you. Um, I spend a lot of time talking with students and just reminding them like, all it takes is one, you know, couple seconds of courage, take one step. So that's something we really believe in. And that's something I try to um, keep at the forefront as we grow our business. Jenny, thank you so much for your time today. You've 
really enlightened us on so many different issues and the impact that not only a solo entrepreneur can have, but we can have in our everyday life. So how do people get involved with solo eyewear, either your mission or connect with your partners and help be a part of this amazing change that you're bringing to life? Uh, There's a number of ways to connect with us, whether you're online and want to sign up for our email newsletters, you can do so on our website, soloeyewear.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and my email address is on our website, jenny at soloeyewear.com. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to be a resource. Thank you for joining us for another inspiring session of Movers, Shakers, and Changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. Head on over to positiveimpactpodcast.com slash episode one for today's show notes. Wanting to follow up on Jenny's recommended reading? She had quite a few. Check out positiveimpactpodcast.com slash goodreads. Hang out with us there and you'll also get a free audio download from Audible. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.